Please help me welcome J. Lauren Norris. You know, it's amazing when you're young how easy it is to, well, to make up a story, to fabricate, to exaggerate, to embellish, to sometimes even adopt a story that isn't yours. I, I know I did it. I used to lie and make up stories that would get me in trouble. But just telling stories that, that weren't even true, but they were so fantastical and so marvelous. And they made me look like such a hero. And it didn't matter if I was going to get a whooping for telling the story or for the idea that it might actually be true. I still thought it was fascinating to tell the story. And the power, the purpose of an original and true story, well, that's pretty important stuff. And that's what I want to talk about in this episode of Leading Leaders. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast. And if you've been watching this podcast for any period of time, you might know that, uh, well, this two-week break that I've taken, it was hard for me. It really was hard for me not to be here in front of the cameras, in front of the microphone for two solid weeks, that whole time between Christmas and New Year. That's unusual. In fact, since 2015, when I started this podcast, that's the first time I've taken more than a day or two off at a time like ever. It was hard. It takes discipline. It also takes a habit to get up every day early and come in and do the podcast. It takes a ritual almost to pull that off. But see, there are a lot of things that we do in our life that, um, well, they, they become a habit and we forget why we do them. For some people, that's exercise. For others, it's diet. For, for others, it's maybe kissing their spouse goodbye before they leave the home in the morning. But habits, rituals, things that we do, and eventually we just get so ingrained in them that we don't stop and ask why. It's real easy to get caught up in that. It's also real easy to get caught up in the comfortable, the, the thing that doesn't challenge you, the one that seems easy. Now you're asking yourself, well, I thought this was all about the purpose and power of an original story, but it is. It absolutely is. Because there are a lot of people who find themselves living their lives vicariously. Now, without looking the word up, basically it means I'm living through you. A lot of times it's parents. Parents find themselves with a, a child who's super talented. Maybe it's musically, maybe it's in speaking, maybe it's their communication skills or their performance art skills, or maybe it's on the football field or the soccer field or the tennis court, the basketball court. And as a parent, they realize, I never made it as far. I wasn't going to be a superstar. I didn't play in the NBA, but the kid has a chance. And so two things happen in the mind of the parent. They begin to live the life as if they were the superstar. And rather than allowing all the accolades to go to their child, they, they kind of scrape some to themselves. Now, we've been in the inter entertainment industry 20 plus years now, and I can tell you in that world, we see it all the time in all kinds of different ways. Mothers of brides who insist on the wedding day being exactly what they want. They forget 
the bride is, well, it's not them. It's their daughter. And yet they're trying to live vicariously through this. They want the wedding to be just perfect the way they want it to be. I've actually had brides on multiple occasions say to me, this is not my wedding. This is my mother's wedding. You'll notice on the guest list, there's like 10 of my friends and 100 of hers. I think that's a sad thing. But let me tell you how that continues to go a little further when it comes to communication. It happens in leadership. In the same way that you may not have the same skills, talents, abilities as your child, you may not have the same skills, talents, and abilities as somebody on your team. Now, whether they're up the food chain from you or beneath your rank or position, doesn't really matter. If they're more successful, a better communicator, better at the numbers, then there's a chance you're going to try to live vicariously through them. You're going to be like, see what we did? Actually, what what I meant was what they did, but we got the credit for? Yeah, that's a pretty common thing, especially in big corporate America. Even in small companies, if there's more than one person on your team, chances are you're going to have dispensed blame and shared credit dispensed blame and shared credit. And stories, well, they kind of fit right into that. The stories that we tell often are stories that kind of dispense the blame. Like, well, if they hadn't done this and they hadn't done that and they hadn't done that, then I would have been much better off. You know, it's easy to look back over the NFL season at at all of the bizarre calls, non-calls made by the referees and pick a game, any game, pick a team. Any team, certain players are being, in their mind, completely mistreated by the lack of calls or completely mistreated by an overabundance of calls on, the, on a particular thing. We see bizarre things, and I've seen it in more than one game now where a person lined up in the neutral zone. They looked at the ref and said, am I okay? But when they moved, they either got the penalty for being in the neutral zone or they got the penalty for moving. And you're like... The job of the ref to, is to be able to, to help them see where they're doing wrong and not just penalize them randomly. But if you're listening to the stories of the players and they're telling you, yeah, I, I, I just I, I couldn't believe I got penalized for X, Y, Z. I have, I have a handful of friends who've played in the NFL at the highest level and on teams that were Super Bowl teams. And they can tell you, there's always a mistake somewhere. There's always going to be somebody getting away with something they're not supposed to. And there's always going to be somebody doing something they're not supposed to that they didn't get caught for or not doing anything and getting penalized for it. That's just the nature of the game. That's the way it works. But see, as outside fans, we look at it and we think, well, my guy, our guy, our team got penalized for this for no reason. And, And again, we're living vicariously through them. And what seems to happen is we get this, this emotional attachment to a story that's, that's not ours. And, and then we get to really passionately telling that story again and again and again. And as fans, trust me, two different teams, two different fans, they can get vehemently just vicious in arguing with each other over whether that was the right call or the wrong call, the right player, the wrong play, the right player, or the wrong player, even the person that got penalized, it may be the wrong one. But now we've got headbutting that goes back and forth. And, and the truth of the matter is, neither one of those fans was on the field. Neither one of those fans saw 
all of it in context. Neither one of his fans saw the first punch thrown, just the third one, because that's what the camera caught. And so we find ourselves living vicariously through these moments, these incidences, these events. The same with the protests in the streets. The same with the, the arguments in front of the courts. The same with the arguments in front of Congress or the school board. Imagine what it's like being a kid when your parents and your teachers are arguing back and forth and you don't even get a say, just get to deal with the consequences. See, living vicariously through story, that's a pretty common thing. And what really happens is we get people who want to tell a story because it's a grand story. The, the events of the story are phenomenal. Uh, if you want to see some fascinating stuff, made up or otherwise, Figure out why there were 400 cops that responded in Miami to a mall. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. But stories can be fascinating things. They can be completely fictitious and made up, and they have no bearing whatsoever in truth. Uh, we call those fiction or lies. We might go further and say they're deception or a psyop. I know there are stories that are floating around out there in the, in the ether, in the internet, and in the media that... They have no bearing in truth whatsoever. <laughs> the thing that we're talking about, well, it never even happened. And yet we still get that telephone game, right? Like this person tells this person, tells this person, tells this person, tells this person. And as that continues to progress, the story just gets a little more embellished and a little more embellished and a little more embellished and a little more embellished. And if you're living vicariously through somebody else and you're doing that with the stories that you're telling about them, from them, through them, trying to take credit of those things in your own life where you're very quickly going to find yourself in a very elevated status and unable to back it up. I, I was standing on the football field the day I watched a young man run a 40-yard dash and he looked like he was sleeping. He was so relaxed, so comfortable, no stress whatsoever, rolled across the line with a 4.31 40-yard dash in high school. That's pretty impressive in high school. It just so happened he was Johnny Lamb Jones's cousin. And maybe it runs in the family. I don't know. But the quickness was pretty impressive. Now, some people, I tell that story and they're like, nobody runs that fast in high school. And I'm like, well, actually, there are a lot of people who run that fast in high school. But I'm, I'm telling you, I had just run mine at like eight minutes and 40 seconds. And I was standing next to Coach Roberts when it happened. I watched him run it. Got to hang out, hang out with him for a while. He was a cool guy. But I was there. I was an eyewitness. That's a different story. Now, whether you trust me or not, it's going to be based on all the other things that you know about me. Whether you believe the story or not, well, it probably comes back to whether or not you believe me. And herein lies the challenge. See, there are a lot of people out there, motivational speakers, business leaders, uh, preachers, entertainers, comedians, whose ability to deliver a line, ability to read a script, ability to deliver a story is their art form. It's also their business, their career, their paycheck is directly tied to how well they deliver a story. But in most of those cases, the comedian may be being the aside. 
an actor or an actress in Hollywood being an aside. Most people who communicate, the most important thing they communicate is not the facts. It's not the details. It's not the emotion. It's credibility. And the purpose and power of an original story is credibility. If you go around telling somebody else's stories or living vicariously through somebody else's life, meaning you haven't really been there, you haven't actually done it, you don't get it. You're just, you found it to be a fascinating story and so you told it. Well, that's fine. But how many times have you heard someone stand up to speak and they relay a story that seems authentic? They've got all the details right. And then at some point you realize, hang on, that's not exactly right. I was working with someone the other night and going through the through a, an event timeline and we got to a particular point and I'm like, are we really doing that? I mean, that seems a little odd. And the planner said, no, actually, that that was from a template. It was a cut and paste from another event and I forgot to take it out. It happens. I can tell just watch it. Was it Evan Almighty, Bruce Almighty? And Bruce Almighty, when the when the teleprompter starts spitting out words that the guy's supposed to be reading and he's trying to read the, the words and they don't make any sense, but he's reading what's on the script anyway because that's what the script says. So there are people that tell stories like that and somebody sitting behind the teleprompter could really mess with their day. Then there are people who tell stories that they've told them, knowing the first couple of times they told them, yeah, I'm kind of stretching the truth a little bit on this. I'm, I'm kind of fabricating a little bit as I'm, I'm embellishing. It's, it's a hyperbole. But now they've told the story so many times, you just can't get past it. I mean, they've told the story so many times that they believe it's true. Corn pop. Really bad, dude. See, the, the idea that these stories begin to permeate our soul. Well, take just a moment. Allow yourself to think of somebody like a Bruce Lipton or a Joe Dispenza when they talk about the superconscious mind. How do we actually rewrite the subconscious mind? We tell it stories. We tell it stories over and over and over again, and eventually the subconscious mind begins to believe it. Some would call those affirmations. Some would call those meditations. Some would call those brainwashing. It's all the same mechanism. It's all the same process. The label you slap on it is well, almost irrelevant. The effect is the same. So if you've got this story that you've watched a football player do XYZ, the one-handed catch of the Beckham, the, the stretch of C.D. Lamb this last week, you're just, just stretching and twisting his ankle like a crazy man to get the football across the goal line to receive the touchdown. That, that was pretty impressive. You're probably going to see that shot as much as the catch that wasn't a catch, then it was a catch, then it wasn't a catch by, was it, Irving or Bryant years ago on the top of his helmet that changed the outcome of a football game and the ref couldn't make up his mind whether it was a catch or not a catch. These, these kind of stories, fan stories, media stories, arguments that go back and forth for years and years and years, eventually they get ingrained in the brain whether they're true or they're not. And since the subconscious mind doesn't know the difference, you just accept what you heard the most as true. Now, if you're a communicator, if you're a leader, if you're 
the kind of person that's responsible for delivering factual information, reliable, credible, trustworthy information. Then there's the truth that what you're telling probably ought to be true. If you've ever heard someone tell someone else's story and they miss that punchline, they, they add something extra in there, they, they forget to take out something. I recently saw a meme, a young lady was telling a story. Now, in the way that she was delivering it, she was telling a true story. In fact, she was so convinced it was a true story that it was as if everybody was supposed to believe it was absolutely a true story. Now, I can tell you, I've heard exactly the same story probably 15 years ago with totally different cast of characters. Tell me if you've heard this story. I'll tell you as the most recent young lady said it. She said, Barack and Michelle Obama were driving through the countryside one time and they stopped to get gas. And the guy that was pumping the gas looked at Michelle and he's like, oh my gosh, Michelle, I, I, I haven't seen you in free forever. And Barack was like, well, who is that? She said, well, he was an old flame. And as they drove away, he said, well, don't you, aren't you glad you married me instead of him? I mean, you could have been the wife of a gas station attendant. And she said, no, if I'd married him, he would have been president. Okay, I've heard exactly the same story, only the characters were Bill and Hillary Clinton. And I'm sure you could substitute anybody you wanted to in there. The idea, though, is that the story, the joke, the punchline is the same. And you could adopt it to anybody you wanted to. And I've watched preachers do this from the platform, and, and I've watched them, and politicians as well, tell jokes like that and miss the punchline. Tell jokes like that and put characters in the wrong place. Tell jokes like that or tell stories like that and put themselves in their first person. And it's one thing to say, I had this conversation with my wife the other day and she said, blah, blah, blah. It's another to say, <clears throat> let me give you an analogy or an anecdote. It's another to say, this is exactly what happened. And then have somebody say, well, it didn't actually happen to you. I mean, people have lost their careers, their political careers. We recently had someone who ran for office, won the election, found themselves in office, and then it turns out everything on their resume was a lie. Everything on their resume was a lie. Well, that's a different kind of story, but it's still a story. The power and the purpose of an original story is to convey to people what your credentials are. And if you're conveying through that story what your credentials are, your ability to help them, because remember, and this is a baseline, over the next 90 days, you're going to hear me say this over and over and over and over and over again. And I, I'm saying it because I want you to get it. Because if you're a communicator, this next 90 days of Leading Leaders podcast, we are going to focus on story and the power of story, how to tell them, where to find them. We're going to have guests in studio and guests on Zoom where they're going to tell a story and I'm going to retell it. That's going to be our highlight Wednesday. But do not miss this one thing. I, I, you've got to underline this. You've got to, you've got to get this in your head. I don't care why you tell stories. Nobody cares about your story. I don't care why you tell stories. Nobody cares about your story. In contrast, they care about this. Does this person have the knowledge, the experience, the ability, the skill to solve the problem that I'm facing. 
Again, set aside actors, actresses, and comedians because they tell stories for a different reason. But whether you're in leadership, you're in sales, you're in business, you're in management, the only reason to tell a story is to convey to somebody, I see what the problem is and I believe I've got a solution for it. And the only way to say I see that problem is to say, I've been here, I've done that, I walked through the same thing and I found a way out and you need this solution. So if you're gonna tell a story, the power and the purpose of the original story is the evidence that you actually lived through it. I've been there, I've done that, I walked through it. I know how you feel, because I felt the same way. In fact, I know not only how you feel right now, but I know how you're gonna feel if you stay on this path and don't get off. If you don't come up with a solution for the problem you have right now. Listen to all the ads for tax attorneys or uh, divorcees or fathers who wanna be more involved in the lives of their kids or plumbing. When they talk about the septic overflowing or they talk about the, the lines rupturing because it's winter or they talk about the roof not sealing because the shingles weren't put on right, they don't make these things up most of the time. Pharmaceutical industry, whole different ballgame. But for the most part, the reason somebody sells a service is because they had that problem and they figured out how to fix it and that's what made them experts in it. Telling a story is for the purpose of saying, I get it, I've been there, I've done that. I found a solution, it works for you too. Nobody cares about your story, they care about your solution and whether or not it'll work for them. And there's nothing worse as a leader, as a manager, as a business person, as an entrepreneur, as a product or service provider, to destroy your credibility than to tell a story that is obvious to everybody else that you're lying, that you're making it up that you're regurgitating somebody else's story. Now, there are many times that I use another anecdote, just like I did with the story about the Obamas. There's a story that I use on a regular basis as a teaching point that probably anybody that's been in church in the last 50 years has heard it, and that's the, the lighthouse and the, the Navy ship. If you haven't heard that one, send me a message, I'll send it to you. It's a powerful story, but I take that story one step further. And I teach on an entirely different element that most people have missed in that story. I use that story, letting everybody know, you've probably already heard this story. I'm going to use it as a setup for something else I'm going to teach you. I didn't live through it. I don't run a lighthouse. I've never been on a Navy ship except in the harbor at the Gulf, Gulf of Mexico to look at the Lexington. Never been on a Navy ship at sea. Nothing in that story is my story. It's a great teaching point, and I use it for that. But see, the, the ability to destroy your credibility is the minute you tell that story as though it's first person, like you were the one operating the lighthouse or you were the one in the ship. And there are people who will do that and destroy their own credibility. And then they expect you to buy from them or trust them to provide a solution for you. Look, nobody cares about your story, but they do care about whether or not you have credibility. Do you have the credentials to do what you're offering to do and the credibility to be trusted to get it done right for the price that you're offering it? That's really all people wanna know. Can you help me? And will it be worth it? That's it. The power and the purpose of the original story is to know that you're in the story. It's your story. You're not making stuff up. It's your story. And if you tell your story in a way that people go, oh, yeah, they experienced the same problem I did. Oh, 
Yeah, they found a solution that I think would work for me as well. Oh, yeah, I want to be a part of that. And I trust them to provide that solution. Now your original story has built a great reputation for you. Living vicariously like a fan of the football or the tennis match or the basketball game and living vicariously, emotionally, vehemently opposed to or absolutely committed to one idea or another when you really didn't have any stake in it, you were just watching from a distance. Telling stories like that, not only do they run the risk of damaging relationships, but they absolutely can severely damage your credibility in the short term and the long term. I highly recommend against it. If you're going to use anecdotes, jokes, and other people's stories, preface the use of that story with the reality that it's not yours. Don't lead people to believe it's your firsthand experience because it's not. And that will leave them not believing you in the future. Tell your own stories. Tell them well. And if you need help, that's what I'm here for. You can go to Facebook, tell better stories better, and find our Facebook group. Jump right in there. We've got all kinds of information that will be out there on a regular basis. Love for you to be a part of that. You can go to jlaurenorris.com or storypowermasterclass.com and find all the information you would like to have about the teaching that I do on how to tell better stories better. Dive in. Improve the quality of your stories. Improve the quality of your leadership. Improve the quality of your life. I'm J. Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast for Tell It Like It Is TV. Have a blessed day. Lauren is a master teacher on storytelling, and I learned so much. Um, I'm really going to have to sit down and go back through everything, and I think I might have to have some more coffees with Lauren, but uh, it was totally worth my time, and I really highly recommend it if you're looking to grow your ministry, grow your business, uh, grow your career. Uh, Lauren will serve you well. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom.